Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. So glad you could spend some time with myself and my cohort uh, right here, Daniel Medina. We like looking at things on uh, Voice America and fiscal fitness in such a way where we provide news you could use. That's what is important to us, not just, uh, you know, listening to the idiots or just listening, repeating what other people say. We like to look at all sides of the coin, including the edge, and see where there's good, there's the bad, there's the ugly to help you prepare for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen. So uh, we'll get right into that, but I just wanted to comment that a friend of mine made sure I knew that today is National Blueberry Pie Day. Yay, who knew? All right, and she goes on to say that dogs can eat blueberries. Daniel, you have, what, two or three dogs running around there? Uh, three she dogs. says three, okay, you got a house full. No kids, all dogs. You can feed them fresh, frozen, dried, or mashed. Blueberries are a safe treat for your dog. So. Okay, that's a wonderful way to start the day on this. We these Wednesdays that seem to get wilder every week. The things that we're going to cover uh, are looking at the ten billion dollar in mortgage help for homeowners. We'll look to see if you qualify. We'll also uh, make comment about whether or not you might want to. Okay, and then we'll look at uh, twelve steps. We like things where there's you know check off the box. Twelve steps to achieve financial freedom. As we've discussed, uh, studies show that twenty five percent of us, one of four Americans, have zero financial savings, zero. And the ones with the money, the fifty four to sixty four year olds. The last time I looked, I think the average account balance was one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And then the misinformation from this source suggested that from that level, it was safe to withdraw a thousand dollars a month to which we would say, oh, no, don't even try and do that, particularly if you have any kind of decline that will not last long. And then we really want to dig into uh, what has captured our attention, and that's margin debt. It may be a canary in the coal mine. We saw leverage uh, reach astonishing levels in late 1999. They peaked in March 2000. We know what happened next. We saw a similar gush peak that peaked in July of 2007. Guess what? Three months after that, uh, that was uh, before the the market peak. So this is uh, one of those things that's interesting to watch. Uh, We'll get into the details. As I say, we like looking at the pros and the cons so that you can get a a real reading on the railroad, if you will, and, and really discern what makes sense to you. Because at the end of the day, it's your life, it's your money, and we want you to know what you're doing with your money and why so that you can weather whatever storm might be uh, occurring. And we think it's helpful, by the way, to look at uh, how your portfolio weathered the last storm or storms. The more we look backwards, we think the better prepared we can be. And according to me, when it comes to uh, us in these United States of America, uh, it is my point of view that we're, we, we don't learn much from history because we're too darn busy repeating history. 
all right? Uh, that's how I see it. And, and by the way, look at the, the number of deaths when it comes to this pandemic as compared to the first pandemic we know of. Uh, that was the Asian pandemic uh, roughly 1918, 100 years ago. Uh, the numbers are getting darn close today to being what they were 100 years ago. So it, it, sometimes it seems like uh, we have to go through it again before we get it right, as opposed to learning from experience so that, you know, I love this bumper sticker, uh, experience is a comb nature gives you once you become bald. <laughs> my, one of my favorite bumper stickers. So my attitude is uh, before I go 100% bald, I want to learn from your experience or others' experience. So maybe I can still use that comb as opposed to go, wow, look at how it used to look and look at how it looks now. So we always like to begin looking at what the markets are doing, not just daily, because it's hard to read what's going on if all we're looking at is the market every day and someone's trying to give you a reason why it's up or why it's down. I'm not so sure the reason's important. I'm also not sure that answer is correct, but you certainly want to see the trend because if you can discern where the trends are, as we say, it might help you get a sense for what you need to do to know what you're doing with your money and why. So we noticed that from the beginning of the year, January 1, 2021, through today, the market, of course, will close in about 53 minutes. But as of today, the Dow's off 82 points. But year to date, it's up 10.64%. That's a very good number. So remember that 10.64 because it'll come, um, it'll, it'll help us recognize what's going on with the markets altogether. And then we look at the S&P 500, similar numbers, up uh, 6. 5% for the day. Um, I'm sorry, 6.6.5 points today. Uh, and it's, uh, it's year to date is 11.63%. So again, 84 points to the negative for the Dow, but slightly positive by seven for the S&P and year to date 11.63. Now this is where it begins to become a little more interesting because if you recall just last year, the NASDAQ was uh, the horse to ride. It was hitting new highs and it had a fantastic year. The markets overall since March 23rd, 2020 have been on a full upswing. But notice there's a disconnect we think is happening. Uh, the uh, NASDAQ is up 15 and a half points, but year to date, it's only up 9.31. One of the reasons this is important to keep in context is because if we look for some of the experiences we've had, like the tech wreck of 2000, where in uh, for, for half last half of the 90s, the NASDAQ quadrupled, the S&P and the Dow doubled in value. Those are all good numbers. But remember the NASDAQ, uh, what goes up the highest comes down the farthest. So it, it was up 400% in the last five or six years of the 90s. And in 30 months, it was off about 80%. Uh, what we're seeing right now may be similar to what we saw back then in that the NASDAQ was the leader of disconnecting from the market, not being the lead horse, if you will, but suddenly turning to the downside. It was the, the smaller tech uh, companies, you know, dot-coms that faltered first and then the larger ones and then the entire market. This is what we're watching very closely because we, we, we wonder if what has happened before has happened again. Again, looking at the, the Dow leading the other two indexes, uh, or almost, uh, actually it's the S&P right now so far this year, but they're in the same ballpark, 10 to 11 and, and 0.6 uh, return year to date. 
but notice again that the the Nasdaq is a little off. It's certainly not running off to the races uh, as compared to what was happening last year. So let's talk about uh, President Biden. And by the way, I do want to uh, call out the fact that tonight the president will be speaking before the American people, but notice who's behind him. Uh, for me, it's a it's a it's a happy moment visually because you see two women, two women from California, two women that represent a whole bunch of people. And by the way, in terms of representation, notice that uh, this is the oldest president ever at 78, if I'm not mistaken, President Joe Biden. Uh, and 78 is the age that we just learned two months ago. The CDC says is the age at which uh, most Americans pass on. 70 life expectancies move back to 78 from 79, just uh, a year ago, 100% primarily due to COVID. Notice that with Canada, the US and Japan, their life expectancies have gone north above 80. Ours has come south a full year lower. And the CDC went on to say that the last time they saw something like this happen was back in the 40s. So we're in a, a, a new ball game. But tonight, you've got full representation. And, and I think maybe this little uh, snippet will help put it in perspective for you. I happen to be watching one program, and the host is S.E. Cup, and she said her son came into a room right after the inauguration, looked at the TV and said, Mom, what's going on? She said, well, now, first of all, I don't discuss politics with my son because he's five. And he has a life. I thought that was good. And, and then she says, but I went on to tell him that, son, there's your president and your vice president. And she says her five-year-old looked at her brightly and said, mom, you could be president. As far as I'm concerned, that's what, what it's all about, particularly for the children. How do we give them some genuine hope, no matter where you come from, how rich or poor or educated you might have been or not? You are you are here and you can do remarkable things. That's what we teach our children. And then we see the evidence of that. So uh, President Biden just signed a $10 billion mortgage help package for homeowners. And we look at it from the standpoint of, do you qualify? That's uh, looking at this uh, material from Yahoo Finance. And yet uh, millions are still at risk of losing their homes as a result of the economic crisis fueled by the pandemic. Uh, so more than 10 million U.S. homeowners are behind on their mortgage payments and are experiencing something called housing insecurity, according to the census data. Now, if you're in that group and your debt is piling up, the White House set aside $10 billion in the recent COVID relief package to help Americans pay their housing costs. So efforts are underway to get that cash to people who need it most, though experts have warned that the rollout may take some time. So, Daniel, how might our listeners qualify for the relief? This is actually really good news. This is the first time it's been offered in any of the stimulus packages, and it's, it's frankly, it's it's very necessary. Um, there's a lot of people that are in some type of forbearance, and according to this article, 70% of U.S mortgage population is in forbearance. Um, that's a lot of people. 70%. 70%. 7 out of 10. 7 okay. out of 10, yes. It's a lot of people that are that are needing mortgage assistance. Given what's happened in the last year, that that's not that's not a crazy idea and that's just the the the, the kind of the the sign of the times that we're in. Everyone needs a little bit of help. So well, the, yes. Please. <laughs> The, the formula is going to be based, there's $10 billion going out and it's going to be distributed throughout the state housing, the housing um, assistance 
sorry, the 10 billion is it's, it's called the homeowners assistance fund and it's going to be distributed out through the state um, housing organizations. Now the formula the the formula to figure out how much is going to each state is actually going to be based on the number of unemployed residents and late mortgage payments or people in forbearance in that particular state. Don't know what that formula is, but that's how that's how the HUD urban or housing urban development is going to determine how much each state gets. Well, isn't it, uh, is it the case 60% of the state grants must go to homeowners with incomes that don't exceed the uh, either the local median income or the national median income, whichever is higher? Yes, that, that, that's true, which is, okay. which is actually, it's an, that's an interesting, that's a very interesting um, part of it because that's where it probably should go. So if, if you're in need of assistance, you should know what your medium um, income is for your local area or at least for, 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 the, um, for the country. Because that's going to. Oh, and I think it's whether, what sixty-five thousand for the country on average. That's what the census was. I'm not sure if that's what yeah. they're using, but that's what what the last census number that I recall was about So you need 000. to look at your state to see what your average income is. Right, right. If you're, and, if you're, and, and if you're and average that, folks is one or two people working. That's one of the questions that often come up. So that's that's where those those numbers come from. Whether correct, yeah, doesn't take two people. Takes one or two. Doesn't matter the number of people contributing to the household. Household income. That's correct. Now, to determine if you're eligible, you have to be, you have to be, your loan has to be below the conforming loan limits, which in most of the country is a 500 and 548,000. If you're 548, yes. If, you're, if your loan is under that number, you qualify for some existence. Which makes it rather challenging for areas like California and New York, where the loan balances are often much larger than uh, Freddie Mac and Freddie May may allow. Correct. In California, the, the conforming loan limit is a little bit higher. I believe it's closer to 700000 uh, okay. if I remember correctly. Um, so it's, this is really state-specific as well. But again, no, if you're in assistance and you're going to be needing help, then you, these, are, these are important numbers. Now, if, you're, if you need help and you're in that situation, what we're going to encourage you to do is reach out to your lenders. And if you're not in forbearance, then you may you may be able to get there, and that'll help in the meantime. But this um, this assistance will be available for you. So what's uh, the good idea? What what should you do if you're during the wait when you're kind of twiddling your thumbs? <sighs> try and get by. <laughs> if you're <laughs> if if you're not in forbearance, try and get in forbearance. That'll push your payments out. And typically, it depends on the lender, but sometimes that's pushed to the back end of the payments of your payment schedule. Um, sometimes it's oh, it's it's owed um, when the forbearance ends. You have to figure that out with your lender. Um, if you haven't looked at if you haven't refinanced your your house, there's mortgage rates are still historically low, and I believe we dipped uh, below three percent again last uh, last couple of weeks. So if you haven't refinanced your house, it's a great time to look at doing that. Uh, most people will probably benefit from from at least looking at it. And if that if if you haven't done it, we would encourage you to do it. Well, and speaking of looking at things, uh, this notion of forbearance is not free money. So do not. Uh, make yourself believe something that's false, that the amount you are owing is going to go away. You need to look at the fine print to see when this money is due so that you're better prepared to make sure that you can come up with the money. Uh, because it's nice that it, it it was, you know, extended, if you will, but it, that, that, that again is an extension. It, it's not an eraser. So, 
find, find out in the fine print so that you're not going through shock and awe uh, as to when this, how much of this money is due when. Great advice. It's, you're 100% right. It's not free money. A lot of people think it is, and it's, it's really not. And that goes back to doing your homework. Always makes sense. Uh, and how about, uh, do you think the mortgage process, your, your wife's in that business, you've been in that business before you joined us, uh, how do you think that might work out? What do you, what, what do you mean work out? It's the process. Will it be smooth in terms of the age, yeah. do you think? No, it's going to take a while. There's, there's a lot of things they're still working through. So it's, it's likely going to take a while. So don't, don't rush any, don't rush this. Cause it's, it, I think it's going to be a minute. Hmm. Okay. And what if you need help immediately? Contact your lender, see what you okay. can do to push payments out. And if uh, God forbid, but if you need to, there's, there's, there's other ways you can, you can maybe borrow money or, or use, take money out of your, of your, of your savings accounts, but there's, there's ways to get by. Well, and maybe look at a debt consolidation loan, look for lower interest rates. Do not uh, rush to the credit cards because that can be uh, a complete disruptor. Uh, shop around for deals. Uh, when your policy becomes up um, uh, for renewal, I'm talking about your homeowner's insurance policy, uh, do comparison shopping so that you can see you can get a better price on car insurance, for example. So try and make a little extra money through the method that, that's pretty uh, effortless. Uh, and look for apps that might be helpful in the, by, by uh, investing your spare change is one of the things that, that you might be able to do. Okay, so that, we've got that covered. I guess we have a uh, quick break. And folks, uh, please stay tuned. We'll be right back on the other side of these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. 
To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, my friends. Daniel Medina and I, John Grace, are delighted you came back and you're still here with us. We've got some other things to cover. We do hope you uh, enjoyed some really good news because, you know, this deal with the $10 billion in mortgage help for homeowners was just for ordinary people. And notice the levels that Daniel kind of identified. These are ordinary people. This isn't the top 10%. This isn't the top 1%. This isn't for corporation. This is for ordinary people. So we think that's a, a very good thing. And uh, what we want to look at right now, well, let me say this first. One of the things that we're doing, we think is a very good thing, is uh, offering or providing free financial planning services to all frontline workers. Frontline workers, as I was explaining to my colleague, he wasn't aware of who they are, but they tend to be millennials, they tend to be minorities, they tend to be women. And they're the ones that do not have the luxury of being able to work from home. They're the ones who get to show up every day to do what it is they do. So we thought it would be a good idea to say, look, we really appreciate you for putting your life on the line, trying to keep us safe. And let's see what we can do to help you keep your assets safe so that you can ultimately decide when you want to make work optional. And as an example, we have one couple making about a hundred grand. First, we looked to see when they wanted to be financially independent. Then we looked at when they were going to get their benefits from any pension and social security and Notice that the maximum benefit from Social Security happens at age 70. So they decided at mid-30s that they would make 70 their goal because it also gives them some more time to set money aside. And we'll talk about this more in, in later today. But it turns out they need to set aside 15% or 15000 a year, $1,300 a month, hopefully get 6 7 8% as an annual return. And now they're on track to see that there will be $2.6 million sitting behind door number one from which they will derive the equivalent of $100,000 in today's income in 30 or 35 years. So, you know, it's kind of like when you're getting ready to get on that airplane again, you know which airport to leave from, you know what your uh, flight number is, you know what time you're likely to arrive, where safely. It's the same kind of thing. And one of the reasons I use that analogy is because we spend so much time planning our vacations, especially now, Let's take some of that time, if not the same time, and plan our financial future. If you don't do it, who's going to do it for you? You know that answer. It's not going to happen. So at some point, you're going to make work optional or you're going to be forced to come uh, and retire, whether it's a medical situation of your own or someone in the family. That seems to be the primary reason that most people don't work as long as they had planned. So we'll work with uh, frontline workers. We charge for people who aren't frontline workers, free to those who are frontline workers to put their financial plan in place. And on that note, please notice that we do have, I did write a book. I'm very pleased with the outcome of the book. It's um, Making Finance Make Sense. It's available at uh, eBay and at Amazon. It's all a $15, $16 uh, a piece in the paperback version. They also have a Kindle version at Amazon. If you send us your email address, we're happy to make the book uh, available to you at no cost in the Kindle version, for, and that would be giving a message to you from Amazon. Here's the material. Feel free to read it. But we really tried to make this uh, book more of a beach entrance, something that people would find, I can do this. That's the whole point. Once you have the attitude that you can do it, you often do the most remarkable things. Speaking of steps that we can do, 
Daniel likes lists from the standpoint of how we can put together things that you can identify and then check off. So you can listen in, you know, Voice America records this broadcast. You can listen at your leisure in the future, or you can take notes. But let's go through the 12 steps to achieve financial freedom that came out of uh, U.S. News uh, and World Report. So I I think it's a, you know, first question is, what is financial freedom? And you'll likely get a dozen different answers from a dozen different people. But the way we look at it is it's how can you make work optional? Financially, it's math. It's a four-letter word, math, that we should be using and being embracing, you know, as opposed to some of those other four-letter words. But it's important to think about your finances holistically and then to make sure you're looking at it from different perspectives. Don't have uh, one system that you're betting on 100% and then find out that system, for whatever reason, much to your chagrin, uh, blew up. It didn't work. You, we want to have multiple approaches. Again, kind of like if you're driving to the airport or you're being driven to the airport, you have different ways of getting from where you left to where, where that airport is. You don't have just one way. So it, 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 the, the system or the path begins with a step many people overlooks. It starts by developing a mindset, which you prioritize building a strong financial foundation of savings before you move on to spending and investing. So notice our trademark is the proof is in the planning. And for us, that's very important. The plan needs to come first. Don't just throw darts in the dark as so many people are doing today where they're jumping up and down over the gains that they've enjoyed wherever they put the money on red or black at the casino and all they see are profits. They misinterpret those profits to indicate this is a sign of my intelligence. Well, I got bad news for you. No, it's a sign of your luck. You happen to win. But when you lose, you know, it, it, it seems, it feels certainly like a very different experience. So what we're asking is let's put together the plan together and make sure that you see what you're doing and why as far as your money is concerned. And it begins with the plan before we put our money on red or black or any green, you know, whatever that vehicle might be. What do we want this money to do? So, Daniel, list off the, the, the items that you saw, you see. Uh, certainly, I know the first one you're going to tell us is to live within your means. Definitely. But I'm going to add to, your, to a little bit of what you said about financial freedom. At okay. different stages of your life, financial freedom means different things. So, when you're, when you're a child, for example, financial freedom means nothing to you as long as your parents <laughs> have some money. And then when you're, you're in college, it's, it might be just be able to, being able to eat lunch. And then when you start working, it might be being paying bills or paying rent. And then later on, you start thinking about different things. So different stages of your life it has means you have different definitions of financial freedom. Uh, for a lot of people, it just means paying bills. But one of the things that, like, like you said, that most people just don't do is plan for it or think about it. And what most people do that are not financially free is they ignore it. They just kind of ignore all the problems and they just kind of live day by day and whatever happens, happens. So these are, these are going to be some things to help you think about no matter what stage of your life you're in, these are going to be some good tips to help, <clears throat> to help get your finances in order. And the first one, you're right, John, is commit to living within your needs and within your means. It's, it's a simple concept, but most people don't get it. The more you spend of, of what you earn, the less the less free you're going to be. If you make a hundred thousand a year and you spend one hundred and fifty, you're not in good shape. And most people think that I just need to earn more money to be okay. And sometimes that's true. Most of the time, it's not because what happens when you earn more money is you spend more money. It never matter. It usually does not matter how much you earn. What matters is how much you spend. 
So point. that's the first thing. Uh, yeah. Live within, spend less than you earn. Well, Sounds- and, yeah, it's a good practice. And I love what our parents tried to teach us. And I, I know we try to teach our kids. You make your habits and your habits make you. So to the extent that you can start out at high school, college, living within your means, your first job, that's a good habit to maintain. And then as part of that, you get to pay yourself first. What's the second step? Know your current financial situation. This goes back to people hiding their heads in the sand. Uh, Most people just don't want to know. So know what your financial situation is. Know if you're in trouble. And this oftentimes it makes sense to talk to somebody that knows more than you. And sometimes that's a financial planner. Um, Sometimes that that might be a parent or or someone, a mentor. But talk to somebody. If If you're not sure what that means, know your financial situation. Talk to somebody that does. That means knowing how much income you have going in, how much expenses you have going out, uh, what kind of insurance do you have? Do you have savings? Know all those numbers. That's Uh, the first thing. Yeah, and a visual for me is the proverbial ostrich, right? That supposedly sticks their heads in the sand, and I'm not sure that's true, but it certainly provides a great visual. And the way I like to put it, if you stick your head in the sand, guess what? You have just exposed some very dear parts to nature, and nature will have the last laugh. So let's figure out what we're doing and why, and and develop good habits and keep them. Yes. Next thing on the list, open the right accounts, and this is this is an important one because most people, a lot of people, don't know what different accounts are for. And every pot of money has a different purpose. Your savings account has a very different purpose than your checking account, which has a very different purpose than your 401k or your IRA or a 529 plan. All these different kinds of accounts have different purposes. And if you have too much money in the wrong account, you might get lazy money or you might, you're, you might be taking on more risk than you should. As an example, if you, let, let's, say, let's say a person has $100,000 in their savings account and no money in any investment accounts or retirement accounts, that person might have a lot of lazy money. That's money that's not doing anything for them. That might not be the best place for their money. They may be able to put some of that to work in different, in, in other accounts like an IRA or a 401k or even a high yield savings that's going to do better than their savings account. We don't want any lazy money if we can avoid it. Well, and let's, uh, let's look at that in the holistic way, folks. Okay, uh, what are you getting on your savings? And a lot of people have a fair amount of money sitting in savings. But let's see, wherever you left that money, is it just sitting there? I don't think so. Uh, if you were the bank and you took in my money, what'd you do with it? You put it on someone's loan. And in some cases, there's credit card debts you can get, what, 16, 18, 21% on? Not a bad deal. I'm paying you, what, less than 1%. I take your money, turn it around, and make uh, 20% on your money. Mm, that's a nice little profit margin. So all we're saying is let's understand the games we are playing, and let's see what kind of rules we can employ to our advantage, as opposed to leaving, as Daniel says, that money idle for the banks and the insurance company to make gazillion dollars on, thanks to you just leaving it there and putting it on ignore. Number four, set up a deposit schedule. So this is very important to automate money going into the right accounts. An example of that is your 401k. Um, for most people, they need to save somewhere between 20, 10 to 20% of their income in their 401k. If you set that up automatically from your payroll deductions, as an example, then it does it, then it, you, they, they do it for you and you can stop thinking about it. Uh, or stop delaying it. Now, same thing can be said for a savings account or investment account, but if you set up those, those deposits automatically, then it does the work for you. 
And you say we should pay ourselves first, 10 to 20 percent. Is that before tax or after tax money? Before tax. And it's going to be different for everyone, but typically we're talking before tax money. Um, So first thing first, you are first, pay yourself first. That's a very good habit to maintain (laughs) because, you know, GM, you bought a nice new whatever Buick uh, and whether or not you make that payment, they're going to they're going to get what they're supposed to get. Right. They're going to get the car. They're going to get the money. They're going to get something. But who's above GM? Are you in the business of paying your bills first and then you try to spend what's left? Well, that's not going to work very well. No, pay yourself first. You're you're the highest priority. And it gives you a good example by which your children and grandchildren can see. I mean, my mom was 90 years old. and I go, uh, she just, just check my math. Is my checkbook balanced? I go, yeah, it sure is. What are you doing? You're saving money? Yes. How do you think you learned what you learned? I said, okay, here we go. Uh, at 90 years old, she was still saving money. It's a good habit to maintain. And it feels good. You can see the pride in her face saying, oh, no, I don't, I don't want your money. I have my own. God bless her. Credit. Monitor your credit. Keep uh, it's credit uh, theft nowadays oh, is just too prevalent. Um, keep keep track of it. Not only that, but make sure do make sure you're doing what you can to keep your credit score as high as you can. In some states, uh, insurance companies use credit score to set po- policy premiums. It's an important thing to keep track of. Not only that, but the, the higher your credit, the better your the better your your loan uh, interest rates and credit card interest rates are going to be. So there's a lot of benefits to keep to staying on top of your credit. And it's far too easy to ignore it and then have something stolen like your identity and then have to fix it later. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, folks, like we're saying, there's different pots for different purposes. Don't leave money at the five last jobs and forget about it, okay? That's crazy. But let's put it all together and figure out what you want the money to do as opposed to have this account, that account, no rhyme, no reason. We call those portfolios of potpourri. <laughs> no rhyme or reason, some of this, some of that. And then what's next? Track your spending. So this is something I like to call, uh, well, this is something I like. I, I see a lot of people do unconsciously. They spend without thinking. Uh, it's far, it's so easy to do. You're, you go to the store or you go to the gas station, you go inside and you grab a drink and something to eat. And you do that three or four times a week and you're spending unconsciously or going to Starbucks and, and, and buying the $5 coffee every day. You do that unconsciously, it becomes a habit and it adds up very quickly. Uh, for, for a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck, they're very unconscious of their spending. So once we're getting those, once we get that under control, it helps us to live within our means. Now, when I say track your spending, I mean, actually write it down. For some people, that's the only way they'll stay on top of it. You actually go through item by item and see what you're spending, write it down, add it up, and you might be surprised to where your money goes. Now, there are apps nowadays, and there's some free ones like Mint that will do this for you. Uh, if you if you use their app and you and you link your bank account, they will monitor where your spending is going. So they'll be able to tell you how much is going to food or gas or clothes or all those different items. So that you can make it easy. There are ways to make it easy, but it's very important to track your spending and know exactly where your money's going. That's the only way you'll be able to live within your means for most people. I remember Oprah being on a show talking about her spending patterns, and this is uh, you know she's been huge. I mean, I'm talking about work-wise, you know, in terms of how famous she is, but she knew what her water bill was. How many of us know that anymore? So many of these things are on auto pay. We don't recognize what the total is, and it's so easy to be upside down. By the way, this might be a good time to take advantage of uh, the credit reporting companies like Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, TransUnion, because they have voluntarily been offering free weekly credit reports. 
So that can be accessed for free through a variety of credit card issuers and finance websites such as uh, Credit Sesame, Credit Karma. This is, these are the kinds of things you want to keep your, your hands on and your eyes on so you don't go upside down or not recognize the, the bad patterns that, that you have established. How about budgeting? Now that you know what you're, now that you know what you're spending, because you're assuming you're following all our steps and you actually wrote down what you're spending, you can actually go through and trim it. So maybe you're spending a lot more money on that coffee or the gym membership you're not using or something like that. And you can actually consciously cut those things out of your budget. Using free apps like Mint or Marcus, uh, Insights can make it easy to collect and categorize your spending data. So that way they're doing the accounting for you. In the old days, right, you went out, you didn't leave the house without your watch, your keys, and your wallet and your checkbook. Well, nobody has a checkbook anymore. But that's <laughs> how it becomes so easy, becomes so unconscious about how much am I spending on, on coffee or whatever it might be. It adds up. Yes, it does. So once you know what you're spending, you can actually trim it down. Uh, next is uh, paying off debt. Uh, for a lot of people, debt is a big is a big problem, and I think that's that's just indicative of the people of the United States. But uh, debt is often a problem, and credit card debt is often a problem. Uh, most a lot of people get multiple credit cards, and they max them out, or they use them uh, at different places, and they have balances higher than they think, and their problem is often worse than they think. But what we do as a people is we tend to ignore those problems. So what I want you to do is write this all down. List your credit card debt, how much you owe to who, what your interest rates are, what your payments are. And once you know exactly what your, your, your debt looks like, you can figure out a plan on how to pay it off. There's a few different ways to do it, uh, like the snowball method where you attack the smallest one first and you go towards the higher ones or uh, the, I think it's called the avalanche method where you attack the highest interest rates first. But there's different ways to pay off debt. But once you know where your debt is and how much it is, you can figure out a plan to actually pay it off. All right. With that, I think we've got, what, four items left. We will cover those uh, as soon as we come back. Uh, we'll be right back after these short messages. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, my friends. John Grayson, Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness on Voice America every Wednesday from 12 to 1 Pacific time. Right now, we're really getting into the uh, down to brass tacks, as my father, the upholsterer, used to say, in terms of the 12 steps to achieve financial freedom. And just to recap re- real quickly, we talked about definitions of financial freedom, uh, committing to living within your means, knowing your current financial situations, identifying the, the accounts and their purpose, not just idle money, but each account has a, has a different purpose. Uh, have a, a deposit schedule, monitor your credit, which you can't do for free. Uh, track your spending, trim your budget, uh, create a debt payoff plan. And then what's next, Daniel? Build an adequate emergency fund. So for a lot of people, we just don't have enough savings. And a lot of people don't even know what what enough savings looks like. Uh, for most people, it's somewhere between uh, three to six months of living expenses. So if you're actually spending 2000 bucks a month or $3,000 a month, then you may need something like nine dollars to $18,000 saved in a, in a savings account where you can put your hands on it quickly. Um, Does it have is, to be six six months of your no, income? It, it really it really doesn't. Uh, for for us, I, I like to know you have access to it for our clients. So for most people, you'll never need six months worth of expenses in one shot. But I want you to know you can put your hands on it quickly. So instead of using a savings account, we may use a low risk investment account, uh, something 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 low risk that's not going to fluctuate very much, but it's going to give us better than the interest rates we're getting at the bank. Uh, so we're somewhere we, where I know you can have it in your bank account within a few days if we need it. There's just not many instances you're going to need, in my example, $18,000 in one shot. You may need it in four or five, in a few months or over a period of time, but just not in one shot. And, and folks, we think that compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. So we like that wonder when it works for you. But if it's sitting somewhere where you can't get any compounding, we think that's kind of silly. Now, you, you can decide what you want to have absolutely left in savings. But what we're saying is you, you might want to have kind of like two versions of savings. One that's immediate, that's money sitting idle. You're really not making any money on it. And you've got this other pot where you know that it's not going to be on the roller coaster ride. It's going to be far more conservative, but I have access to access to that money as well, which might make for a total of four or five or six months or wherever you're, you're, wherever you draw that line in the sand. But it doesn't have to be six months sitting in an idle account where you're not making a darn dime on the money. The bank's making all the money on you. Yes. 
Next, uh, evaluate your career options. Now, this aside from actually having a high income, what we're really talking about here is benefits. And this is something that's becoming a little more rare than it used to be. It used to be, every, it used to be any full-time job had good benefits. And that's just not the case anymore. A lot of companies are cutting benefits. So if it's, a, if it's an option, don't overlook your benefits package at your job. Are they matching your 401k? Are they giving you affordable health insurance? Those are some questions that you really want to kind of kind of kind of answer for yourself well and you know when you have children and grandchildren this is a conversation I like to have I ask them to go look to see how many people speak Spanish how many people speak English in the world how many people speak Mandarin and actually I've been have this conversation with a group of about 15 students who are winning scholarships and, and I'm going to say let's add up the total now if you really want to make the world your oyster when it comes to your career options if you speak Spanish and Mandarin or some version of a Chinese language and English what have you just done I think you've just made the world your oyster because now you look all very interesting to a whole lot of companies and a whole lot of countries and now you might be able to apply there and and get the job but if we just live, limit ourselves to one language you know this is not for the adults so much as it's for the children but we're really trying to prepare our children right to compete in this international world uh, where they have an advantage because I can tell you that so many people in so so many other countries they want what we take for granted and and we play low where they want to they want to take all the chips off the table and we let them do that because we're not as competitive as they might be that you know the, the question isn't so more anymore about your neighborhood or even your your state or your country it's about all of these countries and what are there 200 or so that we know of in in the world how can they be uh, very competitive on the world stage what uh, speaking of the future you 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 say it's real simple daniel invest for the future yeah, it's, it's simple to think about, but this goes back to planning and particularly retirement planning, which most people just don't do. We spend a lot of time planning our, our vacations, but we spend no time uh, planning for our, our retirement. And this goes back to having a financial plan, a long-term financial plan, and knowing what, how much you need to save to be able to make work optional at some point. And that doesn't mean you have to retire, but at some point, you may want to know that you have the option to stop working. Very that's powerful. real. That's real financial freedom where you're sitting going, I can quit any darn day I choose, but I choose to work because I can and I want to. I don't have to. Can you imagine what that must feel like to know that you could quit at any moment for any reason? That's very freeing. And we find that some people actually describe what they really wanted to do when they grow up, right? It's not doing what they were doing to make the money that they did. Now it's about their purpose in life and, and they're feeling satisfaction in what becomes their work, whether it's highly compensated or not, but it's certainly very freeing for you to have the experience that I could retire, I could make work optional today if I wanted to, for any reason to my liking. And what's the last step, Daniel? So once we've done everything else correctly, then we can focus on uh, the errors and that's planning for your legacy. Now this is doing things like making sure your beneficiaries are up to date on your retirement plans and your insurance and your insurance accounts and having a financial uh, a plan in, in, in order to transfer assets like your living trust and your will, uh, medical directives and all the, the trust work that so many people don't do and don't understand what's for. But I love it. Once we, once we do everything else correctly, then we plan for the heirs. <laughs> well, and, and we want to make sure you're first, folks. 
We have seen situations where mom and dad thought they were doing well, really well, gave a, a significant amount of money over time to the three kids. Guess what? They will not be getting that money back. And as we've discussed, oftentimes it is the case that one or two of the parents uh, has a long-term care situation. So now the expenses just go through the roof. You gave the money away. It's not coming back. What are you going to do? Or you gave enough money away uh, or spent enough money between what you gave away and what you needed for your spouse. And now that you see that what was $2 million is now $200,000 and, and you have to die before you run through $200,000. So we're going to say, make sure you're squared away long before you give the money away. You can have nine kids, take care of all of them, buy the cars, put them through college, do the marriages. And, and what do they have for you? Nothing. <laughs> so take care of yourself first and you know give them instructions and certainly give them ideas as what you'd like for them to do. Help them see where that money is so they can get their hands on it in the event you disappear. That's important. But don't be, um, you know, don't just give it away and then discover sometime before you knew it, you now need it and it's not coming back. So let's turn our attention to this margin debt. And debt is a four-letter word that we need to understand. So we're going to dig into this as, as deeply as we possibly can. But let's see if we can set the stage. This is a way of looking at declines as well as debt, I think, in a very meaningful way. And we're going to walk through it with you because it, 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 it is math, uh, but we don't want to do it too quickly where you don't understand it. So suppose that you have whatever the amount is in the stock and bond market, and that account drops 50% you're probably just fine. But let's suppose you or your loved ones just bought, let's say it's a million dollar house. They put 20% down. That's what, $200,000. Now let's suppose that million dollars house dropped for whatever reason in some time frame in your future, it drops by 50%. Say it's two years after you got in. What happened to your $200,000 down payment if your million dollar house just dropped 50%? That money's gone. And it's also important to recognize that people say, oh, it always comes back. Well, it, it, it might and it does. But if we look at uh, New York after the Great Depression, for real estate in New York to get back to even, it only took four decades. It took two decades for stocks, four decades for real estate. So it is not uncommon for the real estate prices to take longer to get back to even as opposed to the stock prices. But again, if it was just a 20% down payment, that down payment has vanished after your 50% loss. Daniel, help us here. Let's suppose you come in with 10% uh, down on your million dollar house and it didn't go up by 20%. Uh, the house went down by 50%. So how much do you now owe? Well, you'd be under, in that scenario, you'd be underwater 40% of your million bucks. Oh, oh, underwater. So that underwater. means the 100 plus the loss? Uh, that'd be, well, yeah, because you still, you still owe the money that you borrowed and now you lost all your equity. So you're, you're actually minus but $400,000 in that case. What, sound like fun, folks? Or $390,000. Yeah, it's, it's probably more than you want to be underwater. <laughs> and as I say, notice, please, again, this is so important because we say it always comes back. But notice again, with the Great Depression, it came back. But if you were an adult in the early 1900s, the average age of death was mid-50s. Today, it's 78. 
But it, what does that mean? If you had, you know, a hundred million dollars in whatever real estate and, in, and you were 50 in the early 20s and that dropped to uh, 70%, so you have, now have 300,000, the 300,000 never got back to a million in your lifetime. That's the primary driver that I think uh, we need to be considerate of because uh, if it happened once, and that's in this country, it also is happening right now in Japan, it could happen again on your watch. So please don't be so anxious to just go out there and borrow as much debt as you possibly can. I think that's a good comparison between stocks and real estate. But Daniel, what are, what are we seeing right now that is worrisome in terms of margin debt? Uh, with these folks that have just gotten in since March 23rd, seen all of these gains, think they are so magnificently intelligent because everything, everywhere they threw the dart, the dart got bigger. <laughs> everything was a, a gain, uh, and in some cases, very meaningful gain. What, what, what are you looking at from the standpoint of this margin debt that could be like a canary in the coal mine? Well, I think Warren Buffett said uh, risk is not knowing what you're doing. And I think that's the biggest risk to a lot of these new investors that have got into the market and they don't really understand what the margin, how the margin works. And if the market moves against them, then those margins are going to be called, which means they're going to need cash or they're going to need to liquidate their positions to satisfy those margin debts. And if you don't have the cash to pay the, to pay the debt, then you have to liquidate at whatever the market price is. And this is not an option. It has to be done. It will be, or it will be done for you by your brokerage house to satisfy those debts. So if you're selling into a declining market, that just creates more of a waterfall um, and creates more more volatility toward the toward the downside. So this is like we were just discussing. You come in with ten percent, and you know the market moves against you wherever it is, but you now owe more than you invested. That's where it really becomes painful for people. Okay, I, I lost the two hundred thousand. You mean I owe another hundred thousand dollars? Whatever that number might be, we want you to see how bad it can get before you wake up to an OS moment. Of course, OS stands for oh shucks. And part of the thing that we're looking at here is we've seen this situation uh, back in '97. Uh, we were well into a boomer bull market that began in '82, approaching the start of the tech bubble that shaped investor sentiment during the second half of the decade. We talked about that. There was an astonishing surge in leverage in late 1999, peaked in March of 2000. That was the same month that the S&P 500 hit its all-time daily high. Sound familiar? And, and although the highest monthly close for that year was five months later in August, a similar surge began in 2006, peaking in July of 2007, three months before the market peak. So debt hit a trough in February of 2009, a month before the March market bottom. It then began another major cycle of increases, which is right where we are, right here, right now. So as uh, Peter Lynch, I uh, had a pleasure of being on the panel with just myself and Peter, who I think made certainly Magellan famous and Fidelity famous, said it's smart to know what you're doing with your money and why. And that's why we're here, so that you have a better sense of what you're doing with your money. So folks, we certainly enjoy uh, our time with you every Wednesday from 12 to 1 here at Voice America on our show, Fiscal Fitness. We hope that this material has been helpful to you. Your feedback really helps us derive what we're going to cover in the future. So please feel free to let us know and what you think. And with that, this is John Grace and Daniel Medina signing off to see you next week. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time 
and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.